You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I'm Taylor Kemp, the Director of Formed, and with me is the illustrious Dr. John Seahorn. Would you agree with that adjective? I'll take it. Nice. Illustrious. Okay, so this is Dr. John Seahorn. Dr. Seahorn, what do you do here at the graduate school? Well, nothing illustrious. I'm illustrious <laughs> for other reasons. Uh, <laughs> of course. Here at the graduate school, um, well, I'm, I've just been blessed to be a member of the faculty here for almost eight years, wow. uh, and I also serve as the academic dean. Very nice. How, how is your dean, deanhood? Uh, it's not illustrious, it's, but, but, it, it's, but it seems to be adequate, along. I hope. Well, that is very good. So today we are talking about St. John the Baptist, uh, and m mm. more specifically the nativity of St. John the Baptist, which we mm -hmm. celebrate on June 24th. Uh, it is a unusual thing to celebrate a birthday. Uh, why Why would we do this? It is, yeah. No, it's it's funny, uh, Taylor, you and I were talking before, before the camera started mm -hmm. about um, the fact that only three people in the Bible are said to celebrate their birthdays. Yes. And they're not good people, <laughs> right? Uh, in the Old Testament, Pharaoh celebrates his birthday in the mm -hmm. book of Genesis. Uh, in the New Testament, um, uh, Herod, Antipas, mm -hmm. actually celebrates his birthday, and that's the occasion when he's going to put John the Baptist uh, to death. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, also in the Old Testament, Antiochus Epiphanes, the mm -hmm. one who desecrated the temple uh, and led to the, um, the, the Maccabees uprising, hmm. uh, he celebrated his birthday every month. So oh. how about that? Interesting. That yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. But this is not the question you asked me. You asked me why we celebrate John's birthday. Yeah, John John is really special, right? Yeah. Um, Jesus, when he's uh, asked about John, says that um, that he's the greatest to be born of woman. Yeah, that's a big deal. Right? Um, and, uh, and that he's a prophet and more than a prophet. Um, and even just if you think about, about the way that John is introduced uh, in, in a couple of the Gospels anyway, I always think about um, John chapter 1, verse 6. Mm -hmm. I used to tell people this is my favorite verse in the Bible because it says, there was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Nice. Which John? You decide. Well, I was raised Baptist, so I was John the Baptist. Nice. So I, it, it worked That's really pretty, well for me. Isn't that great? Huh. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but there's actually, there's more to it than that. Um, that. That's in John's gospel. In Luke's gospel, we read about um, the the visitation, right? Mm -hmm. That after uh, Elizabeth in her old age has uh, conceived John, and now she's in her sixth month, and then Mary uh, receives the annunciation from Gabriel, mm -hmm. uh, and she conceives Jesus uh, virginally, mm -hmm. and her woman goes to visit um, her kinswoman, uh, Elizabeth, and when, when she um, arrives, um, it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, it's a really beautiful thing, hearing mm -hmm. the voice of Our Lady, the child leaped in her womb. John the Baptist mm -hmm. leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this verse is actually already a fulfillment to something that the angel Gabriel had said to John's father, Zechariah, mm -hmm. uh, earlier in Luke chapter 1, in verse 15, uh, he says, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, mm. okay? And this actually is why we celebrate um, not only the day of his death, we also do that on August 29th, we celebrate uh, the martyrdom, the beheading of John the Baptist, but mm -hmm. we celebrate um, his earthly birth. And it's one of only three birthdays hmm. that the church celebrates. Yeah, that's, and so the others being... I think you know. Okay, well, the Blessed Virgin Mary, our Blessed Mother. Uh, yeah, and, September 8th. And, and Jesus Christ. 
on Christmas. Christmas, December twenty fifth. Okay, you nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, Taylor used to be my student, so it's it's, He's still it's nice to me. see that uh, he hasn't Some lost his Some of it has edge. remained. Some of it has remained. Some he knows it. that Christmas is Jesus' birthday. That's, that's true. That's really good. It is good. But yeah, so why these three? Well, okay, Jesus's is the most obvious, perhaps. But why do we celebrate the birth of our blessed mother? and the birth of St. John the Baptist. Yeah, because all three of them are born having mm -hmm. already um, either been cleansed of sin or having been preserved from original sin, right? Okay. So in the case of Jesus and Mary, uh, both of them, of course, are conceived without sin, mm -hmm. right? Something we celebrate in the case of Jesus on Annunciation on March 25th, exactly nine months before December 25th when we celebrate his birth. And then again, in the case of Mary, uh, who, uh, whose uh, Immaculate Conception we celebrate on December 8th when mm -hmm. she's conceived in the normal way but preserved from original sin in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, and then we celebrate her birthday on September 8th, exactly nine months later. Now, if you're a really kind of attentive reader of, of uh, your Bible, you might think that something's a little off here, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, in Luke 1, we, we hear that, that John is approximately, anyway, six months older mm -hmm. than, uh, than Jesus. And, you know, when we celebrate these things liturgically, we're, we're willing to kind of round, you know, yes. it doesn't matter if it's exact. But we don't celebrate his birthday exactly six months before Jesus's, right? Mm -hmm. We celebrate it on June, June 24th, 24th, right? Mm -hmm. So it's six months and a day mm -hmm. before Jesus. So the reason for that is if you think, okay, well, if Jesus is conceived on March 25th mm -hmm. and John the Baptist is conceived six months earlier, that would be? Then March, your math. Yep. then March 25th, we are looking at October? September. September 25th. September 25th, right? Yep. September 25th. And then if you go forward nine months, it should be June 25th. But we celebrate it one day before that. And that's actually a kind of symbol of... Uh, of John's imperfection, so to speak. Yeah. The fact that even though he's cleansed of sin, purified of sin, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, put in a state of grace, already in the womb, mm -hmm. that he was in fact conceived in original sin. Yeah, so he's just one day less holy. <laughs> just one. But it is, it's one measure. It's, just, it's, it, a, it, it's it creates, symbolic, right? Yeah, it creates yeah. a distinction, which, That's right. which those things are important. But it really is an amazing thing. John the Baptist, uh, the story of him being sanctified in the womb, is it really is incredible. Yeah, and you know, while we're talking about the kind of um, you know beautiful and providential things about um, the liturgical calendar with respect to this, and there's another kind of beautiful connection between um, our celebrations of the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. right? So um, we've just been talking about Luke 1, where we have the Annunciation of Gabriel to Zechariah and then his Annunciation to Mary. Mm -hmm. And we have the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. And it's really beautiful. Some scholars talk about them as like a diptych, okay. which is where like you have two pictures mm -hmm. that kind of hinge and you're meant to look at them uh, to kind of together and to compare and contrast them and so forth. And the pattern over and over with John the Baptist and Jesus is that John the Baptist is great, but Jesus is greater, right? And that's exactly what he says, like in Mark's gospel, mm -hmm. there's one coming who is mightier than I, who's mm -hmm. greater. And one of the last things that we hear from John the Baptist uh, is found uh, near the end of John chapter three, mm -hmm. right? Where um, he, it's maybe his most famous line. Do you know mm -hmm. what it is? Um, the bridegroom line? Uh, right after that, when he says he oh, must- Oh, he must increase. He I must, must increase. De decrease. And I must decrease. And a lot of people have pointed out that this sort of maps beautifully onto not only what we've already heard about John the Baptist in all the way from Gabriel's Annunciation mm -hmm. of both him and Jesus all the way up to then, but also the way that we celebrate them, right? Because mm -hmm. June 24th 
is right around the summer solstice, mm -hmm. right? Which is the longest day when the, the sun is the mm -hmm. highest in the sky. And then after the birth of the one who says, I must decrease, mm -hmm. right? The days just become shorter and shorter mm -hmm. and shorter until right around the time of Christmas, it's a few days before, but it's, it's close <laughs> enough for jazz. Uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and it's the winter solstice mm -hmm. when, when uh, the sun is the lowest on the horizon, it's the shortest day, and then they begin to the, increase. The right? light has come into the world. Yeah, the yeah. light has come into the world. That's exactly it's, right. I remember, it's beautiful when you think about the star that leads um, the three kings. Uh, but that I remember Pope Benedict in his book in on the infancy narratives talks about how all the cosmos speaks of the glory of God mm -hmm. and that even the way that this is set up between the summer solstice and the winter solstice, that everything is proclaiming the truths that are revealed by God in scripture and the historical realities of our faith, which, Amen. Is, yeah. which is beautiful. Okay, so that is why we celebrate his birthday. Um, so what do we know about John the Baptist? Why do we remember him um, as a saint? Yeah, well, I mean, we, I guess we could go back um, once again to um, to uh, Gabriel's Annunciation, to Zechariah. Maybe I'll just read a couple other verses Please. from it. Yeah. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 1, and maybe like starting in verse 13, uh, when Zechariah sees the angel who suddenly appeared next to the altar of incense. Zechariah is a priest, and he's uh, he has the honor on this day of going in and praying uh, in the holy place, not the holy mm -hmm. of holies, but in the holy place in the temple on behalf of the people. And the, the angel appears. And the angel says to him in verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth, who had been barren, mm -hmm. will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, this is a really dense mm -hmm. uh, sort of set of things here that the angel says, and we could take apart a lot of them, but the basic point here is just this, that the son that Zechariah and Elizabeth um, are to expect uh, is one who has this special mission. Mm -hmm. Like I, I quoted earlier, kind of tongue in cheek, but but you know, for reals, mm -hmm. uh, John chapter one verse six that this mm -hmm. is a man who is sent by God mm -hmm. with a particular mission in in bringing mm -hmm. about this kind of decisive moment of salvation. And it's it's interesting here to to think about some of the Old Testament passages that Gabriel is alluding to, yeah. um, and. Maybe let's start with with Isaiah. Okay. Um, so you can kind of stick your finger in Luke and turn back to um, Isaiah if you mm -hmm. like. I'm not going to though because Luke goes goes ahead and quotes it for us at That's length a little nice. later on. So yeah. instead of doing that, just turn the page mm -hmm. uh, to Luke chapter three, and this is where we begin uh, actually hearing about John's ministry. Okay. Right. Um, so we're sort of skipping ahead in time about 30 years, and um, and what we find there is is this. Let's start, oh gosh, let's start, um, let's start in verse two. Okay. In the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, so we're sort of placing it historically, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. This is already an interesting way of saying it, that, that kind of locution, the word of God or the word of the Lord mm -hmm. came to so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Is that familiar to you? Where do you usually see that in the Bible? Old Testament prophets. Totally. Yep. Right. So John is being pre presented here mm -hmm. as a prophet. 
And he went into all the region about the Jordan, the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. And now he's mm -hmm. quoting here from Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 3. Mm -hmm. That verse, by the way, Isaiah 43, is quoted by all four evangelists to describe John the Baptist. And that's not common. The normally in the gospels, there's they typically don't share many. Old Testament verses verbatim. There's like, only a handful of things that yeah, appear in all four Gospels, yeah. and, and this is one of them. Yeah, and right? it's kind of one of those, like, this is important, like, this is central. Very important. Yeah. And I, I wanted to look at Luke. There, it's, all, it's interesting to look at how each of the evangelists does this, because mm -hmm. there are slight differences that kind of, you know, bring out for us um, distinctive things mm -hmm. about John the Baptist's ministry. But I like Luke because he extends the quotation, and he right. does so for a reason. So he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's the part that everybody quotes, mm -hmm. right? John the Baptist is there. He's a voice. He's a prophetic voice in the wilderness who's preparing the way for Jesus, preparing the way for the one who is himself the Lord, mm -hmm. right? And how does he do that? It says, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth. Mm -hmm. And I love this as a description or a, or a kind of theological metaphorical explanation of what we've just read that John was actually doing. He was preaching repentance. He was mm. preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what do sins appear as then? Sins are like valleys. They're like mm. divots mm -hmm. that, that you can kind of like fall into, right? And that are, you can get stuck in. Um, they're like mountains or hills that you have to travel around or try mm -hmm. to climb over. And repentance smooths mm. that path, right? These things that were crooked can be made straight. These things that were rough can be made smooth, right? So by responding to the prophetic word with faith and repentance, we sort of clear the way in our hearts for the Lord to come and meet us, right? We remove those obstacles mm. uh, that, that, we, that we sort of set up mm -hmm. between ourselves uh, and God. And then the kicker is in Luke chapter 3, verse 6. He's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. Mm -hmm. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's like a... Oh, like. totally, right? We're going to see <laughs> yeah. the salvation of God. That's what John's mission mm. is to do, is to prepare the way so that we can have access to salvation. And to even couch it a little bit more, even in a... In the book of Isaiah, you know, they, they call the, the first half of Isaiah the book of woe, the second half of Isaiah the book of glory, um, but that 40 is this turning point, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, we could oversimplify it, but it's clear that something big is happening yeah. in 40, right? And the fact that they're pulling from Isaiah 40 in relation to Christ, and, well, in relation to John the Baptist for what he's doing, but preparing the way, yeah. like they know that what they're saying about John the Baptist and Christ, it's like, hey, like all these hopes that are wrapped oh, up it's in the enormous. Old Testament, it's like, it's here. Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. I mean, if, if we even went to the beginning of Isaiah 40, the very mm -hmm. first verse, the first words, nachmu, nachmu in Hebrew, comfort, comfort yeah. my people, right? It's, um, and, and actually scholars debate who's being addressed. And some have argued it's the angels. Some have argued it's, you know, spokespeople mm. within the people. But the point is, we're, everyone's being being exhorted to to pronounce comfort, to yeah, proclaim like comfort, right? Here. Consolation yeah. is coming. And it's really interesting because the Greek version of Isaiah 40 mm -hmm. uses a particular verb that we might con translate console, mm -hmm. console my people. And if you just go back a little bit um, to um, 
Luke chapter 2, um, verse, uh, let me see if I can find it, verse 25, when we mm-hmm. meet Simeon, mm-hmm. right, in the temple, when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to present him there before the Lord, uh, it says that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for what? the consolation of Israel. Mm -hmm. He's looking for what's announced Mm -hmm. at the beginning of Isaiah 40. And then if you keep reading, because Simeon uh, was a repentant man, Mm -hmm. right? A righteous and devout man who was looking for this. When he holds Jesus, what does he say in chapter two, verses 29 and 30? Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Right, so Simeon just, is is, mm. al, is already sort of recognizing what's happening in Jesus, and that's the mission that John has, is to prepare the way so that we can be like Simeon. Uh, there's something about the the connections between the Old and New Testament are just amazing, and I sometimes think about like Luke writing his gospel, mm. and and he's he's heard stories, he's recounting things, but as he's writing it, you would almost be like, this is too. Just in, it's just unbelievable. Like it's incredible that he he would be recounting stories about John the Baptist, uh, things that he would have heard from our Blessed Mother about the life of Christ, and it's just like seeing how Simeon fits into this same prophecy that they're talking about John the Baptist yeah. that's pointing to Christ. It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and but and that's why Luke gives us Luke yeah. and Acts so that he's trying to help us see the same beautiful tapestry that he sees yes. through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, having learned, as you said, from the Blessed Mother, from Paul, mm-hmm. from, you know, whether directly or indirectly from the Blessed Mother. Yep. Uh, but clearly she's got to be the source of, of what we hear here in, in, um, in Luke 1 and 2. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's just incredible. Okay. So um, the evangelists, they're, they're quoting from Isaiah. They are making a statement about John, that he's yeah. a prophet, crying out in the wilderness, He's calling people to repentance, to smooth this path very much in a spiritual way. Um, so where, what else do we know about him? Kind of where, where do we go from there? Oh, there's just way too much. There's just way too much to say. <laughs> let, me, let me just say a couple things that I think are crucial. One is, um, is the fact that our Lord submitted to the baptism of John. Right? Yeah, which and, is quite something. Yeah, and, and in Matthew, we even read about him objecting to it. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean you want me to baptize you? I mm-hmm. should be... I should be baptized by you, mm-hmm. right? And and Jesus says, no. This is it's fitting to this to fulfill all righteousness, because what our Lord comes to do, the way that He comes to us, so that we can see the salvation of God in Him, mm-hmm. uh, is not simply through kind of bringing the fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. brimstone right now. It's by bringing us to this encounter with His mercy, right? Now there is a judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, John's not wrong when he says that the one who's coming after me uh, is going to have his winnowing fork in his hand, mm-hmm. right? Um, but nonetheless, there is there is this encounter with Christ's mercy, and um, and so I, I love you mentioned uh, uh, Pope Benedict earlier in um, in his treatment of the Gospels in the first volume of mm-hmm. his series on Jesus of Nazareth when he talks about the baptism, he says that on the banks of the Jordan, our Lord Jesus blended in with the gray mass of sinners, right? And you can put yourself in Jesus' mm-hmm. position. It's like. I'm the sinless son of God, mm-hmm. right? Now, I want to, you know, show people that I'm nice, show people I'm merciful. Mm-hmm. So I'll go down to the Jordan. But like, I always tell my students, if, if it were me, I'd put on like a sandwich board with Christmas lights that says, not a sinner, yeah, right? Not, like nobody get them. the wrong idea yeah. here. Not, not with them. And yet our Lord goes 
and, um, and is baptized among the sinners, not because he's a sinner, but because he identifies with sinners precisely in order to bring us a repentance that will genuinely cleanse us, yep. that will genuinely bring us into his own relationship with the Father. So what a beautiful thing that John gets to do there. And then what do we have when he's baptized, mm -hmm. but this revelation of the Trinity, right? Mm. The heavens are opened. The Father, uh, the, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the mm -hmm. form of a dove, and the Father says, this is my beloved mm -hmm. Son, right? So John the Baptist is, um, in some ways, this sort of bridge figure between the Old Testament and the New Testament, yes. right? He gathers up in himself the whole tradition of Israel's prophecy, mm -hmm. and then we see him, in a certain sense, then, you know... Um, well, sort of receding. Yes. I must decrease. He must increase. I've done my job. Yep. I'm rejoicing, mm -hmm. right, to see that the bridegroom has come. And he's embodying Israel in that, that Israel, the, the mission of Israel was to be a light to the nations, was to bring worldwide blessing through the posterity of Abraham. But they were to, there to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then John the Baptist, like, in his person, he's the bookend of it. It's happened. Yeah. Like, he is... He is, that's Israel's mission was, was yeah. this. And then he embodies that in, in a different but similar way as like Our Lady embodies the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he embodies Israel here and then says, it's time. Yeah. It, the time has come. The time has come. Yeah. Now, we didn't even get into uh, the other things that happened with, uh, with his arrest by Herod Antipas, yes. uh, his death. Maybe, maybe we could just say this, that... Um, you know, we, we talk about John as the forerunner of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. He's proclaiming a baptism of uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Jesus is going to send his disciples at the end of Luke to go mm -hmm. and and uh, and preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we see them doing on the day of Pentecost in mm -hmm. Acts uh, chapter 2. And uh, it's a greater baptism, mm -hmm. right? But there's that continuity where, where John is preparing the way for Jesus in his ministry. But he also prepares the way for Jesus in his death. Right. Mm. And you can just imagine John in prison at the Machairus Fortress. That's where Josephus mm -hmm. tells us that Herod, um, that Herod Antipas kept him in that darkness. And even if he didn't fully understand it in a way, anticipating in himself the darkness mm -hmm. that was going to enshroud mm -hmm. uh, Jesus. Mm. Right. Uh, and both of them, mm. you could say, are martyrs to fidelity. Right, John is arrested because he calls out Herod Antipas for taking his brother's wife. Mm -hmm. Right, so John dies as a witness to marital fidelity. Mm -hmm. And why does Jesus die? Because he is the bridegroom, mm -hmm. and he is the one who perfectly embodies the fidelity of God mm -hmm. to His people, the divine spouse to His uh, human wife. Right, <laughs> and so and and that's actually what what redeems us. Mm. Um, so again, it's really beautiful. And, and I would invite anybody who's watching who's never really spent a lot of time with John the Baptist um, to take some time at each of the four gospels with the passages that have to do with John um, and, and really befriend him, right? Um, in the Eastern churches, uh, uh, devotion to John the Baptist has remained uh, maybe a lot more intense and prominent mm. than it has. Um, it's because they um, like the wilderness and... and uh beards and locusts and honey. They do. They do. Yeah. There's some, there some great the beards. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're doing okay here, Taylor. We're I don't doing, know. We're doing, no, maybe This not. wouldn't hold up in the Eastern. Maybe not. So there is so much more to say, um, right? Uh, John the Baptist is a mysterious figure, but I find him to be a profoundly moving and challenging figure um, who, who really can call all of us to a deeper fidelity 
uh, to Jesus, to a deeper repentance, right? To remove those hills and valleys that might mm-hmm. obstruct our relationship with God. Um, and ultimately to bring us into a deeper intimacy with him. Yeah, and his his famous parting words, as you pointed out, that are just, this could be just such an abiding message, but a great one from John the Baptist is he must increase, we must decrease that the goal of uh, of our lives is the death to self of all mm-hmm. of the, the habitual mm-hmm. attachments to sin so that Christ may live in us and that his whole his whole life proclaimed that, yeah. um, and that it, it's just such a, it, it's great. So thank you, Dr. Seahorn. This was uh, a wonderful kind of dive into John the Baptist. There's a lot more pleasure. that can be said. For sure. But perhaps, sure. perhaps another time. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.